0: again, it's good to see you. I'm glad that you're here, and I hope that you are enjoying our services here under the tent. Last week was a great week, and uh, good to see so many of you back. I've missed our church family. I know we've got some guests here today. Thank you for being here today, and uh, I hope that you enjoy the service. And um, We're normally more friendly. We normally shake hands, and, and a little bit more friendly, but obviously, due to the virus, we're... Trying to social distance and trying to uh, uh, be considerate of everyone else—it's hard when you haven't seen anybody in so long, uh, not to be. Uh, but before I begin, where is Will and Faith? Will and Faith, can you hear me out there underneath? The, if you're out from under the tent, where's Will? Will, stand. You don't have Faith doesn't have to stand, but Will, Will went and got engaged this week as well to Faith. Yes. So, congratulations. That's two weeks in a row now. We've uh, we've had a couple uh, get engaged. Not not Will getting engaged two weeks in a row. Faith, this is the first one, so you're safe. But last week we had a, a couple, and um, I don't know. Maybe next week we'll have another. Maybe we'll just have a wedding under the tent. Wouldn't it be good? But congratulations, Will and Faith. August. They told me August they're getting married, and I said, "Wow, that's that's quick." And and uh, she said, "No, he's got a lot of money to save. That's next August when they're getting married. So he's got a little over a year to save all of his money, and uh, then she's going to spend it all. well. it'll be all it'll be gone. So pray for them if you will. I'm excited for them." I want you to continue to pray as well. I uh, a couple weeks ago I asked our church just through a video um, to pray. There's a um, opportunity that we may have. We're just seeking the Lord, and um, uh, I don't want to give too much information. Just, just I want to wanna wait for the right timing. But um, uh, we'll know some more things here soon. But I want you to continue to pray, and um, I'm excited what the Lord's doing. You no, know, the Lord can still work during a pandemic. People are still being saved. Matter of fact, we've got several people that um, would like to get baptized. And um, so we've been talking, how are we going to do that? And, and so we're talking through baptizing some. I think we've got a family this morning uh, that's going to come and join the church this morning. Uh, people are still being saved. God is still uh, on the throne. And don't be discouraged. I know the world right now looks like a very scary, difficult world to live in. And uh, it is fearful. If you look at just what's happening, it looks very, very fearful. But but when you look through the lens of Scripture, we know that God is in control. We know as we sang, Jesus Christ, he is going to return. He's coming again for his bride. And uh, those that have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, we can put our faith and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'm excited that church is still going forward. Jesus said of the church that I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And it's true when he said it. It's true 2,000 years later. And if he tarries his coming, it'll be good 2,000 years from now. Jesus Christ builds his church and he will continue to do that. So I want you to pray. I want you to pray as well about our our service schedule. Obviously, we're under the tent through um, the end of this month. So two more services next week and the following week. And uh, we're putting some things together, we're, we, we're putting some plans together, and then um, if you're watching the news, you hear that, um, that pandemic, the coronavirus is starting to kind of raise again, and so we're just watching things, we're trying to be cautious. I, I want you to know that any decision that we're making, we're making it for the best of our church. I know there's some right now that says, let's just get back inside and let's just, you know, have church as normal. Then there's some that are just still watching online. And um, there's some that want to shake hands. There's some that, you know, wave from a distance. There's some that'll wear a mask and some that don't. And and I don't think that it helps at all for us to get into the debate about all of that. I just think that we want to make the wisest decision, keep Christ first when we gather here at church, keep it about him. And so you just pray. We're, we're, we're praying about what to do. I uh, Again, we were serious to have the tents going to be too hot, but I, I don't know. I'm thinking about getting some heaters under the tent. Um, but uh, uh, you can continue to pray and we'll, we'll let you know here real soon. We're looking into July what that service schedule and times will look like. But we know the next two Sundays we'll be here under the tent. And then um, I want you to just pray for our country. We, uh, we need prayer, our country needs prayer, and so as children of God, as Christians, we need to make sure that we're praying, praying for wisdom, praying for uh, our children, just, just pray, and uh, I know that God will bless. All right, Acts chapter number 18, I'm gonna get to preaching this morning, Acts chapter number 18, everyone doing okay? Oh, wow. Is everyone doing okay or just a few people? Everyone doing well? Praise the Lord. We got our cheerleading section over here. It's good to see them. All right, Acts chapter number 18. Everybody out from underneath the tent doing okay? All right, are you hot out there? No, all right. Acts chapter 18, we're gonna continue reading. You know, I've been so amazed as we've been studying through the book of Acts, just how every single week It just seems like God uses that to meet the needs of what we're dealing with in life. You know why? Because the Bible is a living book. It's alive, it's truth. God still speaks through his word and he still answers prayer. And as I said earlier, he's still on the throne and God's word is still relevant. It's not an ancient book that that is out of date. The word of God is relevant for today. The truth that it has applies to us today. It tells us as Christians how we ought to live. It shares with those that do not know Christ what they need to do to have everlasting life. This book is still relevant. Every week we look into this word, the word of God. We can know how to live. And even though 2020, I, I thought this morning, I was sitting in my office and I thought we are halfway through the month of June and we'll be halfway through this year. They were telling us that Y2K was going to be a, a strange year. If we would have told you what 2020 was going to look like this time last year, no one would have believed it. I mean, it's been a, it's been a, a, a strange, strange year. And I don't I, I know about you, but I, I'm looking at what God's going to do the rest of this year. I believe that God is going to do something big. Big. I believe, church, this is the opportunity for us, like we've never had before, to get the truth of the gospel out, because it's the gospel that changes lives, and we've got to be diligent about that. It's not the first time, though, in human history that the world has looked like it's has out of control. It's not the first time in human history that it looks like uh, uh, the gospel is going to be persecuted and nobody wants to hear the truth. Matter of fact, all through Acts, we find, really, we find a, a world that's out of control. We find the gospel message being preached and being rejected. We find the same thing here in chapter number 18 and verse number 12. Uh, we find Galileo was the deputy of Echea. The, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat. Why were they so upset with Paul? Well, the Bible tells us that he is preaching the, uh, a different law. He's preaching about God some way different than the Jews were used to. What was he preaching different? He was just simply preaching this that Jesus Christ came and he died for your sins that no longer do you live trying to keep the law, trying to appease God. No, Jesus Christ came and fulfilled the law. He went to the cross, he shed his blood. His his payment for your sin is sufficient. Nothing else is needed. You can be a child of God by simply trusting Jesus Christ, putting your faith in what he did on the cross, believing that he died, believing that he rose again, and trusting him as your savior. That causes a person to go from lost in their sin to a, a child of God. And, and Paul is preaching this. He's saying that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And it isn't that Paul was preaching something wrong or Paul was preaching a mistake. Paul was simply preaching what the word of God, the Old Testament said was going to come to pass, that the Messiah was going to come. But the Jews were so steeped in their religion. They were so steeped in what they believed that they said this. And when Paul was now about to open his mouth, in verse number 14, Galileo said unto the Jews, if it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, or, or if he was doing something illegal, oh, ye Jews, reason what would I should bear with you? But if it be a question of words and names and of you your law, look ye to it, for I will not. For I will be no judge of such matters. And he drove, uh, drove them from the the judgment seat. What he said was, this has to do with your law. I don't want anything to do with this. You go and do what you wanna do. I, I'm gonna deal with the, the law, the, the man's law. I, I'm not gonna get involved in, in your Bible, your law, the Old Testament teachings. And so Paul was, was spared that day of uh, beating or, or persecution. But I simply say, as we read this, that, that Christianity has always been under persecution. Truth has always been under attack. But although it's always been under persecution, under attack, it's always prevailed. Truth always wins and it will win. And it doesn't change the facts of truth just because man resists what truth is. So we find that as we continue in the Bible here, we're going to look at this rest of this chapter here. Then I want to bring everything together. Paul. Then he is released from this this crowd that seeks punishment on him for preaching the gospel. And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren and sailed thence unto Syria. And now with him goes Priscilla and Aquila. This is important to see. Aquila and Priscilla are two people. They were from Rome. They were were Jews. They were tent makers. Where do we find that? In the beginning of chapter 18. Paul gets to this city of Corinth. Remember, Paul gets to this city of Corinth and he's a little bit discouraged. His, his, His brethren aren't with him on this journey, Paul's alone. Paul's been beaten. He's had uh, difficulties in Philippi. He was jailed in Philippi for preaching the gospel. He was beaten there. He goes to uh, Thessalonica and, and he preaches and he's rejected there. He goes down to Berea and the, 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 those from Thessalonica come down and cause problems for him there. It just seems like Paul can't win. It seems like he's under attack. It seems like he's alone. He leaves then where he's at. He comes to Corinth and, and just kind of to get a break. He just happens to come to Corinth and in this place of Corinth he finds Aquila and Priscilla he finds these two and he realizes there's a whole lot in common not only do they are they Roman citizens not only are they Jews not only are they uh, believers they're they're tent makers and Paul becomes encouraged by these two individuals the Bible tells us as we looked last week that that Jesus says to Paul, the Lord says to Paul in verse number 9, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And as we study that passage of Scripture, I wonder to myself, I ask the question, why would the Lord tell Paul that? You know, I believe that why the Lord told Paul that? Because Paul was in fear. Paul was questioning Paul was concerned. Paul looks at everything around him and, 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 and he's human just like us. And in and, and times of difficulty and times of stress and times when things don't make sense, we start to question and ask questions, Lord, why? H- have you ever wondered why anything bad ever happens to good people? Have you ever gone through some trials in your life and you've, you've said you're not doubting the Lord, but you've just simply said, Lord, why? I mean, if, if I'm your child and you're God and, and you own all and you have all and you're all powerful and you can change any event, why? And I believe that's where Paul's at and that's why the Lord comes and he says to Paul, be not afraid. Don't be afraid of what man's going to do. You know, as humans, and as Paul here being a human, I'm sure he's discouraged. He's doing what God has called him to do, and it just seems like there's constant resistance to what he's doing. I'm building to something. I want you to stay with me. Because the reality is this, as I have been preaching, and I I repeat it again today, life can be difficult, life can be discouraging. At times, you might even desire to quit because of the circumstances that you're facing. If you've ever felt that way, trust me, you're not alone. If you ever looked and said, Lord, I don't understand why you're not alone. Paul, I believe, was in this place. But I want you to see something today that I want us to look at. And this was this, Paul is investment in people. Although Paul was discouraged, although Paul was going through times of uncertainty, although Paul himself needed to hear from the Lord not to be afraid and to continue to speak and, and don't don't be concerned, no man is going to hurt you. He was assuring Paul of his calling. Paul, during that time, is still investing in people. In church, what I want us to understand is this. As we look at the world around us, as we look at the, the, the commotion and the confusion, it seems like what once was right is now wrong, and what was once wrong is now right. It seems like if you desire to live a godly life and raise a godly family and live upon the the teachings of the Word of God, that the world tells you you're wrong. It seems like the more you want to do right, the more problems come. And in the midst of that, I want you to see that Paul continued investing in the work of the Lord. And he did that through investing in people. Church, I want to challenge us today that no matter what the world looks like, no matter what complications come, no matter what we endure as Christians or as human beings. I want to challenge you as your pastor today. Let's never stop investing in the work of the Lord. Let's never stop investing in the lives of other people. Let's never stop putting Jesus Christ in his work, in his church first and being sure that we are doing what God has called us to do. Let's not stop serving the Lord when things get difficult. Let's not stop investing in people. Listen to me church, I say let us Let's not stop giving the gospel out to a world you say the world doesn't want the gospel we're living in a post-christian world we're living in a post-christian nation meaning people don't want to hear the truth of the gospel people don't want to be to hear the truth people don't want to hear the fact that they're sinners and they need a savior people don't want to hear that anymore that might be true but the bible tells us to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel let's not stop doing what we know is right even though the world may be against it. Paul is here in Corinth. He's on his second missionary journey. In verse number 11, he tells us, uh, the Bible tells us that he stays here for a year and a half in this uh, city, teaching the word of God. Look with me in verse number 11, the last part of that verse. He's teaching the word of God among them. Oh, I pray that we're found faithful teaching the word of God. I pray of our church, although we've experienced a very different year this 2020 has brought us. We've gone from a pandemic to it seems like a a world in chaos and out of control and, and unsure what's coming next. I pray that we're found teaching the word of God among them. I pray there's a lighthouse here in this community and in this state and in this nation and around this world, the influence that God can use in this church, that we are, we are said that we are teaching the word of God among them. All of us will live this life and one day we're gonna die. I, I'm not saying that to discourage you, I'm just simply saying the Bible says it's a point that a man wants to die. And after this the judgment there is one thing that we are all assured of one day we're going to die there's going to be a a birthday and an ending date on our tombstone every single person we will go off into eternity but what we invest in is going to go forward here after we're gone. See, many invest to leave for their their children an inheritance. Many are working right now. Many of you, part of your, your investment, part of your working, part of your plan is to leave something for those that you love. Some are making investments to give to those that they love or give to organizations and give to charities and give to their church. That's part of their planning. They're living in such a way so they can leave something. We invest to make the future better. Investments are good. Investing is a good thing. It's a, it's a deposit in something hoping for a greater return. H- how many of you, you have looked at the stock market over these last few months? Why do you look? Because you have investments. And what are you hoping? I've put something in it and I'm hoping I get a greater return. How many of you love putting money in the stock market and when you find out you lost $10,000, how many get excited about that? I I love it. I I gave 10,000, I have nothing. No, when you invest in something, you want a return. If you put 10,000 in... If your investor doesn't make you $10,000 back, you're upset with them. No, you want something in return. And I want to talk to us today about investing in the work of the Lord. Investing isn't easy, but it is necessary. And don't, don't miss that, such a basic statement. Investing is not easy, but it is necessary. Some people might think, well, investing is easy. No, it's not. Because investing takes discipline. Investing takes sacrifice. And it it takes an understanding of the future benefits that come from investing. How many of you remember when you were younger, people said, oh, if you save now, you'll have more when you're older. And when you're 18, investing in your retirement, come on. I mean, there's too much fun to have. And people say, "I've said to my own son, Jacob, listen to me. If you'll invest now, you will like the return later." Did you do it, Dad? No. But but don't listen to what I said. I'm trying to help you with this. And what he sees is, he he was working at a, a, a through high school. He was working at a, a, a grocery store, Churchill's, and and I mean they they paid nothing. He said, "Dad, you want me to take." all of this and put it away for a future? Well, oh, I need it today. And I'd say to him, I know son, it seems, you know, 30 cents seems like a lot of money to you right now, but put it away and that, that I promise you that it will grow. I promise you And in investing, it takes discipline because something can always come up. It seems more important at the moment. It takes sacrifice because it takes something that that we have to take and put away someplace else and we don't see it right away. It takes a sacrifice and it takes an understanding of this investment is going to benefit the future. It may not benefit me today because I have to have discipline and sacrifice, but there sure is a benefit that's going to come in the future if I will invest. We have a decision in our lives. In every single person here today, you have a decision. It doesn't matter if you're 18 or it doesn't matter if you're 81. It doesn't matter if you're... Just engaged and going to be married or it doesn't matter if you've been married for decades of your life. It doesn't matter if you're making minimum wage or you're the the biggest earner in this crowd. None of that matters. All that matters is this. We have a decision in our lives. Will we choose to invest or will we just simply live for the moment in the day and not be concerned about tomorrow? And I want to challenge you as Paul did here, and we'll see this here in just a moment, that Paul chose to invest. He chose to to pour himself into the life of other people because Paul understood that it wasn't about living for the moment. It wasn't about the circumstances in the moment. It was about investing the lives of other people so that God could be glorified today, tomorrow, and way into the future. I want to ask you today, are you willing to invest? You know, I learned about investing. Investing doesn't take everything, but it does take something. And many of us don't invest, whether it be in the people, whether it be in our finances, or invest in whatever area of our life, because we've come to this conclusion, I can't afford to. When you're young and you have children, you're just starting out, you say, I don't make enough and I have too much responsibility. I can't afford to invest. But that's the time to invest. Many say this, I can't afford the, the, the time. I just don't have enough time. I want you to know this, no matter what, you'll never be able to afford time financially or time, it always gets busier. It's a decision that you have to choose. It's a decision that you have to choose because you have to see the result and the benefit of investing. My son said to me, I think it was just yesterday. He said, dad, you won't believe how much money I have saved. He's looking and I taught my son this when he started working. I said, son, if you'll take 10% of your money and put it, Give it to the Lord. It doesn't matter what you make, tithe. Then you've got 90% left if you take 10% of your money and you put it in the bank, for, for savings and you take 10% of your money and you put it away for your future retirement. I said, it seems like a lot of money, but if you'll learn to live on 70% of your money and not 100%, if you'll give the Lord what's his and and concerned with tithing and concerned with saving and concerned with retirement, if you'll learn to live on 70%, you'll you'll be fine. I said, if you learn to invest, you'll be fine. And I think that's where many of us fail. We, we want to live on above our means. We want more than what's necessary. And because several, several years ago, he chose to to listen. You know what he said to me yesterday? He said, dad, you won't believe how much money I have. Church, I want to be found faithful to the Lord As I pastor this church, as I parent my family, my children, as I am a husband to my wife, I want to be found faithful to the Lord. And I want you to be found faithful to the Lord as you do what God has called you to do. I want you to see this morning the opportunities that come through investing. I want you to see this morning investing in our life for the work of the Lord Now, I know everyone is a little bit nervous. You're holding your wallet. This isn't even a message on money this morning. It's not. Matter of fact, this has nothing to do with finances this morning. I just used the analogy of finances because you understand that when it comes to investing. I wanted you to understand what I meant when I said Investing. It isn't to build a name for ourselves, but rather it's to leave something for those behind us to, to exalt Jesus Christ and make him known. That's why the Christian ought to invest. It's so that those coming behind us can, can continue even at a greater level serve the Lord Jesus Christ and make him known. And with that in mind, Paul shows us something about investing in people. Here in chapter eighteen, look with me again, if you would please. He starts with this, an example of faithfulness, in verse number twelve down through verse number sixteen. Again, we find where Paul is taken before uh, uh, Galileo, and and he's taken before the authorities of his day. And again, I don't know about you, but if I was Paul, there's got to be a time where you said, you know what, enough's enough. I mean, how many times am I going to be taken before the rulers of the city and be beaten? How many times am I going to be questioned for my faith in Jesus Christ? How many times am I going to have to endure heartache and hardship? How often am I going to have to be alone? Why do I have to continue to go through all of this pain and all of this heartache and all of this loneliness? Why am I going to continue to do this? because it would have been easier for Paul just to say, you know what, I'm done. I have paid my price. I've already been on one missionary journey, and I've already, now I'm on my second, halfway through. I've, I've been faithful in preaching. I've been faithful in living. I've been faithful in, in, in now enough is enough. And I want you to see something, that Paul sees the value of investing in people, and he starts with an example of faithfulness during difficult seasons of his life. Because I want you to see something. There is an Aquila and a Priscilla in the beginning of this chapter that Paul is is investing in, that Paul is pouring his life into, that Paul is teaching and preaching and living an example of faithfulness to the Lord. And listen to me, I say this to you today, please understand this, every single one of us need to be an example of faithfulness during difficult seasons. It's right now in our life, it, it, each one of us could just give up on things. You know, here, here Paul is experiencing hatred and persecution. And Paul still stays faithful to the things of God. Uh, listen to me, every single one of us, there's going to be a time in our life where it seems like in our marriages that, that it would be easier just to, to walk away and easier just to, to call it quits and easier just to, to, to separate ways. But I want you to know something. There's a generation, your children and others that are watching you, they need to see that Christians stay faithful during difficult seasons in their life. You know what I mean? Parenting isn't easy. If it is for you, you need to write a book. You know what I found? Those that have written the best books on parenting were never parents. Don't you love it when you're going through a season and someone comes and tells you, you know, Tom, what you ought to do, and you say, oh, really, how long have you been a parent? Oh, I'm not yet. Oh, how long have you been married? I'm not. But I wrote a 300-page book on how to do it. Listen. What we need right now in this world is faithful Christians. We want. We need. Faithful Christians that are not going to walk away from the Word of God, not walk away from the truth of this book, not walk away from following the Lord. Listen, our country and our world is in a very strange, difficult season, and right now, what we need—we don't need people that are putting their opinions and things, just causing strife and causing turmoil. We need a generation of Christians that'll get grounded and stay grounded in the Word of God. That'll be faithful to those that are watching and, and faithful during difficult seasons we need an example of faithfulness during difficult seasons is what we need we need a church that's faithful oh listen to me now is not the time for us to decide oh do we want to stay out of church or get back into church and one of my fears right now as we've taken a a little bit of a, a break is is trying to get some back into church Listen. We've had months now that that Sunday school teachers and ushers and and musicians and and uh, 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 parking lot greeters and and you name it, nursery workers have been out of church. And listen to me. I'll tell you. At times, I'm sure it feels really good. I'm not going to lie to you. Just preaching one time on a Sunday. I like it. I like it. The staff said to me just this week, we might have to go to multiple services. You know, we get back in the building. I said, we'll just stay under the tent. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we'll put heaters, but we'll stay under the tent or air conditioner, whatever. I kind of like it. Just being honest. But listen to me, we don't need a generation now that's going to be comfortable and take it easy. We need faithfulness. We need, to, we need to be faithful. Listen to me, Paul is getting ready. Paul doesn't know uh, if he's going to be stoned. Paul doesn't know if he's going to be beaten. Paul doesn't know that he's going to be jailed. But I know one thing that Paul knows. The Lord said to him, be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. Paul may be unsure of what the future holds. But Paul is confident that whatever the God, God told him, that God is going to see it through, and oh, listen to me, we are living in difficult times, and we are living in a difficult season, and maybe you're experiencing some financial heartache, or maybe you're experiencing some troubles at work, or maybe you're experiencing some difficult things that this world has put on you during this difficult time. I want you to know that Jesus still said to you that he'll never leave you nor forsake you, that he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, that he will supply all of your needs. You know what I say to you church fear not and let's be an example of faithfulness let's be an example because there's an aquila and a priscilla that are watching stay true to god's calling stay focused on the lord jesus christ Let's not quit when it gets difficult and when things get hard. Let's not lose our testimony when we get frustrated or we get discouraged by the events of this world. Let's choose right now that we are going to stay faithful. Oh, we might wind up in a place that we don't like to be in. We might wind up before someone that we think that it's not a a, a pleasant place to be, but we've got God's promise on our life. Church, would you commit today to stay faithful during difficult seasons, because we need to invest in the lives of others. Look with me in verse number 18. You with me still? How many of you are getting warmed up? I'm just getting warmed up. I want you to see something, verse number 18. And Paul, after this tarried there yet a good while and then took his leave of the brethren and sailed thence unto Syria and with him, look who goes with him Priscilla and Aquila this is interesting Paul doesn't cave Paul stays faithful in difficult seasons you know what God does? God uses a Priscilla and Aquila that that is meeting with him and and just meets him in the beginning of chapter 18 that didn't know Paul. Paul goes to Corinth by himself and God puts them together with an Aquila and Priscilla and he stays there for a year and a half and he invests himself, he pours himself into this couple. And now this couple, when Paul's ready to leave, you know what they're willing to do? Go with him. They're willing, Paul is investing in people as an example of sacrifice in giving to the Lord's work. Here, Aquila and Priscilla, they didn't go to Corinth because they were on a missionary journey. They didn't go to Corinth because they were wanting to preach the gospel to the Corinthians. That's why God sent Paul there. But while he sent Paul there to this place of Corinth, he introduces them to a couple by the name of Priscilla and Aquila. And they now see Paul's zeal. They now see Paul's desire to serve the Lord. They now see Paul's passion and Paul's faithfulness and Paul's sticking with it when things get difficult and Paul's commitment and his example of sacrifice to the Lord. And Paul is doing all of this, investing in the lives of other people. And you know what Aquila and Priscilla then do? A year and a half later, Paul says, guess what? I'm leaving. I'm going on. You know what they said? I'm willing to go with you. I'm willing to sacrifice as well. I'm willing to give of myself and give of my time and give of my talent and give of my resources for the Lord's work. They didn't go to Corinth for the Lord's work, but it's there in Corinth. They met a man by the name of Paul that was willing to invest in them and stay faithful during difficult seasons. And because of his investment, they now say, I'll go and I'll sacrifice and I'll leave here and go to this place called Ephesus. So that the gospel can go forth. You see, Paul is investing in the life of Aquila and Priscilla. And now they too want to be an example of sacrifice in giving to the Lord's work. They left Corinth to serve the Lord. They left Rome initially for what reason? Because they had to. And now they're leaving Corinth because they want to. They didn't have a choice when they left Rome because they all the Jews had to get out of Rome. They were expelled. If you were a Jew, you couldn't stay in Rome. They had no choice to go to Corinth. But oh, listen to me, God was working in that place. God was working in the life of Paul. God then began to work in the life of Aquila and Priscilla. You know what I see here? Those that you're impacting, those that you're investing in, those that you're teaching, those that you're helping, those that you're uh, a faithful witness before, you never know what God's Going to do in their life. God takes. Aquila and Priscilla, he moves them to Ephesus. This is an example of sacrifice and giving for the Lord's work. They were willing to be used. Their lives were interrupted. They did not hold back in, onto material things. You know, they're there for that year and a half and they had a, a little business going. They were making tents and, and they were making a living and they were being accepted and, and the church was growing and the church was forming and, and God was blessing. And it would have been easier for Aquila and Priscilla to say, you know, we'll, stay right here. We'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll serve God this much. But they were, they were willing because Paul invested in them. They were now willing to say, you know what? I'll give and I'll go and I'll sacrifice and I'll let God use me so that the work of God can go forward. And they come to this place of Ephesus and they begin to teach and they begin to preach and they begin to invest themselves in the lives of other people. You say, where do you see that? Let me show you in closing, verse number 24. A certain Jew, na- Jew named Apollos, born of at Alexandria, he's an eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures. He came to Ephesus. Now Paul is gone. Paul leaves Ephesus and he goes over to Galatia. But guess who stayed in Ephesus? Quilla, and Priscilla. They went to Ephesus for what reason? They wanted to be used of God. Because of whose influence? Because of Paul's influence on their life. See, Paul invested in them. Now they're in Ephesus. Paul leaves to go to Galatia. They stay in Ephesus, and they meet this man by the name of Paulus, and he's eloquent. He's preaching the gospel. He's doing a a great work. But there's a problem He only knows, he knowing only the baptism of John. Look with me in the end of verse number 25. You know what that means? He wasn't spiritually mature. What he knew, he knew well. But he didn't know the whole story. He's not been taught. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue Whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God, what, more perfectly. I want you to see something here, my last point. Investing in others. Number one, invest in others. It requires faithfulness during difficult seasons. Investing in others takes a sacrifice on our part for the work of the Lord. And invest what you have been given in the life of other people we see this with aquila and priscilla what was aquila and priscilla going to teach apollos i'm glad you asked they were going to teach apollos exactly what paul taught them but paul's not there any longer And there comes this man by the name of Apollos and he gets up in the synagogue and they're sitting there and he's teaching and what he's teaching is good, but he only knows half the story. It's not that he was teaching false doctrine. It's not that he wasn't saved. He, what he had, there was no one that came alongside of him to teach him the whole story. So what he's doing, he's eloquent. What he's doing, he's doing well. What he's preaching, he's doing a great job. But he just doesn't have a full understanding of all of it. Well, Aquila and Priscilla are there. Where did they learn what they're about ready to teach Apollos? They learned it from Paul. They learned it from Paul. Why? Because he chose to invest in the life of other people. He chose during a difficult season of his life that I'm going to stay faithful. They chose, I'm going to take what you've taught me and I'm going to go to a place called Ephesus and I'm going to minister to the Lord there. They didn't realize there was a man by the name of Apollos that was going to be in Ephesus that Paul was going to be gone. Now it's left for them to teach this man Apollos and they take Apollos' aside and they begin to teach Apollos and and minister to Apollos and expound unto him the way of God more perfectly. See this shows the value of investing. One of the things I wanna teach my children, not just how to save money so they can retire, I wanna teach them how to serve the Lord. I've taught them how to save, I've taught them how to uh, uh, put money away and and save, but I also wanna teach them that investing in the work of the Lord is the greatest thing they can invest in. Serving the Lord with all of their talents, serving the Lord with all of their heart. Listen, old church, we need to pour ourselves into someone else. Aquila and Priscilla, they take Apollos aside and they teach him what he didn't know. It wasn't just Paul doing this. Paul invested in someone, and then that someone or those two people began to invest in the life of other people. And listen, I remind you that investing takes sacrifice, investing takes hard work, investing takes commitment, and I'm concerned that if we don't realize that, that we can go through our life, we can go through our trials, we can go through our difficulties and not do what God has called us to do. I'm calling our church today to invest. I'm calling you today that's under this tent, that's outside this tent, that is watching from home, that maybe will hear this on the radio or hear this on a television station. I'm calling you as you hear this message. I'm calling us to invest in the Lord's work, in the lives of people, in a vision to to leave this next generation with something that they can build on for the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, it was just six months ago I stood before our church. I think it was exactly six months ago on a Sunday in the beginning of December. And remember, I said to church, let's invest in a generational vision. Let's, let's invest in our 20-year vision. It seems like we took a 20-year vision, and it seems like for the next six months, it's been on hold. But listen to me. The work of the Lord doesn't have to be go, go on hold. We just have to stay committed to investing. Oh, listen to me. Some of you Pauls, there's an Aquila and there's a Priscilla that's needing your investment. Some of you have been invested in, there's an Apollos that's waiting for you that's needing you to invest in him. I don't care if you're 81 or 18 or 5, it doesn't matter your age, there's always someone that you can invest in, there's always someone that you can pour into. I don't care if you've raised your children or you're just starting uh, raising your children, there's always someone to invest in. I don't know if you're just starting to work or you're retired from working, there's always something for you to do in the work of the Lord, there's always something for you to do in the church, there's always someone that you can invest in, there's always someone that you can pour your life into. There's always someone while you have breath. Give yourself to someone else so that when you're gone, an Apollos can be taught correctly. I don't know if I'll see my grandchildren. I hope I do. I think of my dad often when the first couple of my children were born, the first person I called was my parents. And I'd, my dad would get so excited. My mom would get so excited. I don't know this feeling, but based upon how my in-laws and my parents were, when, when, when we would call and tell them that Michelle was expecting or after Michelle had the children, they got pretty excited. I guess grandchildren are a pretty good thing. It's what I hear. My dad used to say this all the time. I'm sure you've heard this. If I knew grand, if I would have known grandchildren were so great, I would have skipped the kids and went right to grandchildren. But my dad hasn't been able to see several of his grandchildren. Any any of his grandchildren that were born in the last 12 years, they've never met their grandfather, and he's never met them because. 12 years ago, my father, 13 years ago now, my father died of a heart attack. And so my dad can't sit them down and teach them something. My dad can't sit them on his lap and and share with them what he shared with me when I was young. My, my children don't have the opportunity to, to sit with him and him teach them what he knows. And, and he, he was a, a great at, at fixing things and building things, and, and he can't show them those things. And, and they've never heard him preach in person, and, and they've, never, they've never known. That he's never talked to them about uh, salvation or about the things of the Lord or about his calling or when he met my mommy. They don't know any of those things from him. but the things that my father taught me, even though he's not here, I can sit my children down and teach them the same things. And church, what I'm asking us today as a church, would you do the same thing? Would you say I'm gonna be like Paul and invest everything I have for the Lord in his work, in the lives of other people, because one day I'm going to be gone There are some in this church that you may never see the people that will walk through these halls in 20 years. But you can have an impact on them by how you choose to invest. Some of you that are, have taught Sunday school and this pandemic has changed that, but you, you you can't wait to get back and teaching those children and you may never know who they marry. You may never get to meet their children. You might be gone by that time. Maybe you're teaching a, a, a five-year-old class and you say, boy, I'm gonna I, I'm not gonna be around when they get older uh, and get married. I'll never meet their children, but you can invest in the life of that young child and you may never meet those that they invest in, but what they share with their children and they share when they're school teachers or they share when they're serving the Lord comes from what you've given them. You see, there's a benefit in investing. And we can just say, you know what, I'm going to choose to live my life and I'm going to live it selfishly, I'm going to live it for me and I want my wants and my cares and my feelings cared for and what I leave other people, doesn't really matter. Or you can say what Paul said, I'm going to invest myself. I'm going to stay faithful. Is it going to be easy? No. Is it going to take persecution? You bet it will. Is it going to take discipline and sacrifice? You better believe it will. But there's an Apollos that's waiting that needs uh, Priscilla and Aquila and Priscilla and Aquila wouldn't be able to help Apollos if Paul didn't choose to help them. So I ask you, church, do you see the value of investing? And if you do, would you be willing to invest? Father, Father, Lord, every single person today has a choice to make. Every everyone that hears this message has to decide, am I going to invest? Am I gonna see the value of putting what you've given me in the life of someone else? Or am I gonna live my life for myself? Paul could have just said, I want to make tents and that's all I want to do. Paul said, but I've got to be faithful. I've got to give myself. Because there's a man named Apollos that Paul may never meet. But those he invested in will. And Lord, there's going to be Christians and church members that some in this room will never meet. But their investment will there's going to be Sunday school teachers and youth workers that are, nursery workers that are sacrificing and giving and they may never see the fruit of it. But Lord, who they invest in, will be able to take and minister to someone. Help us to be a church that's willing to invest, that's willing to give, that's willing to sacrifice, that's willing to stay faithful that's willing to be an example, because of the Lord, you're worth it. And you're calling our life, Lord, help us to remain faithful. Oh God, I pray that you do a work in this church with these people during the most difficult season of our life, during a season that doesn't make sense, during a season that we we don't understand, May this be the time that we invest even greater so that others could experience Jesus like we do. Help us, I pray, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.